to Sudoku Book Club, where we finally get to the books that have been sitting on our shelves for forever. I'm Leaf. I'm Emily. And we actually have a special guest with us tonight. You want to introduce yourself? Hello, I am Nathan, Emily's younger brother. And he's here to visit with me from Illinois for like a week. And we really, really wanted to have him on the podcast. So he's actually going to be on two episodes. And this is the first. I'm very happy to be here. Yep. The book, and I guess it is still technically a book. We it's are, technically a book. The book game phenomenon we are discussing today is fate, specifically fate core system, the fate set of rules for RPGs. Kind of like D&D. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, I just felt like RPG does not right. for ev- does not explain to everyone mm-hmm. out there what this is. And I never do a good job of explaining RPGs either, because I say RPG and I've been like, I like reading up stuff and systems and things like that, and I never really think about um, what it's like for people outside of it unless I specifically am talking about D&D. You're like, you shouldn't say what... <laughs> oh no, never mind role-playing game and that's a unfortunately how we're going to be describing things because all three of us play D, uh specifically like fifth edition and so when coming to a system like this or any other system it's usually easy to think of it in terms of the game you're familiar with so D, you always use a d20 a 20-sided die that you roll you add some modifiers and you find out if you succeed or fail or whatever and you use like your six main stats whatever skills you're good at and whatever weapon you're using or whatever tool things like that fate is a little different it's more focused on fiction uh style there's still stats there's still dice it uses uh four d6s but they're really um there there are two pluses two minuses and two blanks and you roll them and you add them all up together so you can never get anything lower than negative four and nothing higher than positive eight or positive four sorry yeah um <laughs> you usually get positive eight with like bonuses and stuff like that but because of the way it works there's like a very specific curve where the average is usually somewhere between negative two and positive two and in that way like getting a high roll or getting a really low roll is more uncommon and makes it kind of a big deal when you're playing with it i got into fate i wish i could tell you how but i do not remember in any way well how long ago was it so i have my introduction to rpgs was kind of weird because my brother had been kind of like reading about D &D and like everyone has read those like green text crazy D D stories about like sir barrington or weird things that happen in D D and how you can do anything and play however you want and my brother and I, not having money slash not really caring about buying official stuff, just made up rules. We're like, oh, you use a d20, you roll that, and a, you, you add modifier, you make up stats, and we play. Um, we didn't know anything about AC or armor class. We didn't know anything about um, like the possibility of not doing stuff. We, we always started with 20 HP, which I now know in D&D terms means we were making like level three or four characters depending on what you're doing but my brother started doing that we, we kind of like went back and forth making up stuff and just finding out different ways to use dice and cool ways to simulate stuff 
And then I started doing more reading on Reddit, found the RPG subreddits and looking around and finding cool stuff there. And I think fate kept coming up. If you ever ask a lot of time on RPG subreddits, you'll get questions of like, hey, I want to play a game where we're like in mech suits, or I want to play a game where it's Pokemon, or I want to play whatever, not D&D. Because if you ever are asking about, I want to play fantasy combat simulator, D&D Pathfinder, or whatever is going to be the answer to that. Or, and like, obviously there are other games like that, like Savage Worlds or Dungeon World or whatever, but those are like the premier flagship mm-hmm. RPG things. Yeah. Um, but when it, you're trying to play something else, and unless um, a specific system exists, people keep, in older times, probably would mention GURPS, which is what, generic universal role-playing system. Mm-hmm. You got it. Uh, <laughs> I think that works on a D100, which is wow. great. Um, I've never even seen one of those. I saw something online that said character creation, you have um, 150 points to spend in basic GURPS, whatever. We're not talking about GURPS. Yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Fate kind of started coming up more and more. Fate started as a Kickstarter, I think, in like 2012 or something like that. Oh, I didn't even know it was that recent. Yep, it's pretty new. Um, there, it, The system itself had already existed for um, a game called Dresden Files, oh, um, yeah. which is based on the Dresden books by Jim Butcher. Um, mm-hmm. I've never played it. I've read one of the Dresden books. I don't know what it's like, but that was kind of like the intro for a lot of people. And then... I think, at least as far as my understanding is, they kind of refined it into its own generic role-playing system. Um, Leonard Balsera, Brian Enger, Jeremy Keller are three of the main designers. Um, Kurt Komoda uh, is the main artist who's great in it. He's got this like really cool sketchy style in it, and... There are like throughout the book, like in all RPG books, there's like some art that like kind of gives examples of what's going on, and there's the usual like fancy sword and sorcery stuff. There's like a superhero stuff, and then there's just like weird things because part of like Fate's selling point is like as long as you can describe it, it like you can make it happen. So uh, there are pictures of a two winged angel type dudes one with a machine gun one with a sword fighting each other above like 1980s new york there's a a gorilla taking off a mask while he's in like this bond suit and like it's all very cool and fun um my favorite throughout them is the continuation of this war of gorillas versus robots which is just i love that (laughs) um but i found the book or i kind of got into it um about a year and a half ago maybe closer to two years i can't remember but it's super easy to get into partly because it's pay what you want you can get through like some online store they have it if you buy the physical book for some reason you can uh which i did but um if you buy that you get a free copy of the pdf so you can pay zero dollars for dollars for it you can pay fifty dollars for it it's up to you i think they suggest five dollars for the pdf online and so getting into it is super easy and like kind of, or at least if you want to just test it out, it's super easy. Um, we were on, me and Emily were on a trip to Mexico at one point and on the plane, I was constantly like reading stuff and just like nudging her like, oh my gosh, like you do this. <laughs> like, Here's the rules for this. And I'm like, this is weird and interesting and cool. And I also should stress that I actually found Fate before D&D, like 
getting into the real D&D. I'd listened to um, the Adventure Zone podcast, which is D&D, and I liked that, but obviously the main draw to that is more, at least to me, it's more the McElroy family getting into hijinks than actually the granular, granularity of D&D, rolling dice, and everything. Um, and Fate uh, was something that caught my eye. It was cheap. It wasn't... Uh, $50 for one of the books of which you need three to play the whole game um, like D&D is. Uh, it just had everything right there for you. Um, and yeah, founded it that long ago, searched through it, thought it'd be super cool, played one disastrous game with my family. With fate? Yeah. You didn't tell me that, did you? I thought you would only play D&D with him. Sorry. Uh, yeah, um, when we went up to that summer, that same summer, actually, when I, we went to Mexico, I went, my family went up to Montana to visit my brother, and I told, I had told him before, hey, we could play this new RPG I'm kind of learning about, and we made a, uh, a uh, fantasy, like, normal, like, kind of D&D style characters in Fate, um, which, despite what they tell you, can work, I think. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. Um, but, and also I was, I had modified a, the, the Pathfinder starter kit stuff, which I got on a Humble Bundle also years ago. <laughs> and so I was just sort of like changing some stuff, making, like changing stats mostly to fit within Fate. And uh, it went horribly and ended uh poorly because i didn't quite explain how the game was supposed to work or at least i didn't make the expectations clear and so i had like built it up in my head because i had spent the last 12 hours in a van just like burying my head in this thing right and then like i didn't give enough information for the other people to like understand and actually enjoy what was going on so can you then can you then explain like what are the expectations of this game um so the main thing with Fate is that it is, while it has kind of the mainstays of what you think of like a tabletop RPG has with dice and stats and things like that, it is, it kind of builds itself and definitely makes sense more as a fiction first kind of game where you do not have an, you don't have a, well, you do have abilities. I don't know how to like kind of differentiate it at this point. What Why don't we... Okay, well, I didn't know where you were. I didn't know what you meant by expectations. So the expectations I meant was that, like, at least personally, I wanted to play a semi-serious fantasy quest game, and my brother made Winnie the Pooh the Barbarian, <laughs> and <laughs> I was fairly immature about dealing with that. And <laughs> instead of just nipping that in the bud. Or adjusting my own expectations in some way that was going to like make it compatible. I thought I could muscle through it, and I couldn't, and I didn't. So my brother and I are still friends. <laughs> um, Long distance. What well, that helps. <laughs> um, but yeah, so year and a half ago, try and do that, fail. Um, kind of fall out. School starts up again. And then I bought the D&D handbook at one point. We were taught, we got into that, play it on average once every two months, but still it's fun. We have our own little group here. 
and I got deep into D&D, and then literally just a week ago, the idea of uh, Nate visiting and us playing a, a one-shot of some sort while he was here, I was thinking like, well, I've done a one-shot with D&D with people who weren't super familiar with it, and even if people are familiar with it, making a character can kind of take some time, and you're doing all this work for essentially two to three hours of fun or whatever yeah and it might not be fun who knows um, and there was the whole thing where if you were to make sort of random characters for the players even though it is a one shot you don't really feel the same connection to your character because you're not the one who made it and i don't know at least we were talking about yeah. that and i definitely feel that way like i have a hard time feeling any sort of connection to a character that I haven't created. Yeah, the only one... I, I've only played one shot, um, one one shot myself, and that took, like... I was told of it a month beforehand. And so even though I only ended up playing the character for, like, four or six hours, six to seven hours, actually, more like, um, I got the time to make a character... Um, come up with a character voice that I never used and everything and I like had a very clear idea of like how I wanted to play the character versus being handed a pre-gen sheet or even coming up with an idea and like trying to get it all out within an hour so that you can get to the fun part I know there are people who like making characters I do but I like taking time and mm -hmm. coming up with different ideas and just seeing what's going to be fun um so this fate is, is very different, yeah. Yeah, this is all a very long way of saying it's like, hey, let's try fate. Like I've never actually played it. Um, I feel like the rules, while there is some complicated, like there's complex parts to it, it's easy. It seemed easy to grasp, at least from what I remembered. And so it was us three, our friend Brent from grad school, and we got together, and I think it went pretty well. It was really yeah. really fun. Very very <laughs> yeah. engaging. Yeah. And to me, like, the character creation felt like part of the game, not just something that you do in preparation for the game. It was really, really fun. I also felt that that way, too. Yeah, so Fate's character creation isn't just, like, you making your character assigning stats and things like that. The way it happens is you are, according to the rules of the book, character creation is done, like, as a group. Like, you figure out what you're going to be. So when you make your character, fate kind of runs off of aspects. If you've ever read like tvtropes.com or stuff like that, where it's just like the big bad or, um, I don't know, a mute cool guy with a sword or something <laughs> like that. Like that is how uh, your character works in fate. You make like a high concept that encompasses who your character is. And then you come up with a trouble, which is supposed to be a complication in their life. And then from there, even more, your character creation is you start telling backstory, but when you tell the first part of the backstory, you come up with another aspect, how it relates to you, and then you pass it to another person who decides how their character is related to that story, and you, in turn, get a different story, and you're like, hmm, how does my character fit into this? Yeah, that was super fun. Yeah. Once we figured out, because I only know D&D &D and haven't read anything about Fate like you've been doing. So once we got that process figured out and knew what we were supposed to be doing, it was it made perfect sense. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. So you want to talk about 
my character. What it was, well, do we want to just talk about, yeah, what it was like to create nah, characters? Well, maybe even before that, when we were sat down, like, I know this is, like, a bad way to start a fate game, kind of, but, like, I basically said, so this is generic, which means we can play anything within mm-hmm. reason. So, like, um, we're all, like, we all like fantasy. We all, like, that's why we play D&D, but yeah. I was like, we can do sci-fi. We can play as spaceships if we want instead of just single characters you can be like the entire crew if you want like as long as it makes sense and you can come up with uh schnazzy descriptions of how uh, your ship works or like what it does or what it's like it will make sense and we can play a game like that and so i think pretty quick we were like okay we're still gonna do fantasy but with brent around and um we kind of started talking and it kind of became clear like we want to do like kind of modern day and so fantasy modern day emily's character she already knew wanted to be like a teenager or a young girl doing magic and so and, we're like yeah it was actually my D character who i just sort of reformatted her for a mo- a more modern fantasy because yeah. in my in our D D campaign, she's a grownish person. Right. <laughs> um more and, like uh, post college age than anything. Yeah, yeah. And when we were talking about what we wanted for the fate one shot and we decided, yeah, let's do high school. <laughs> <laughs> so fantasy, high school, modern day, and so I'm immediately thinking of like Buffy and um like supernatural to a western extent and so we immediately started talking about things and like kind of monster of the week stuff which fun fact monster of the week is another product by evil hat um (laughs) who makes fate of course so honestly if for some reason nate ever decides to come down and stay uh in town we could look into monster of the week which as a matter of fact is what the adventure zone is playing right now oh yeah (laughs) yeah um for their amnesty arc um the those are fate like rules if i remember i can't remember if it's fate or um powered by the apocalypse which is a different system of 2d6 um but i think it'd be interesting like more fully fleshing out the rules because we definitely like trimmed a lot of stuff just so that we could start playing because even though the entire point of doing this was like hey let's try and make characters quickly we spent two hours yeah we spent two actual hours coming up with the setting and the characters and everything else and like deciding how this world worked and there was like a huge evolution to that because we started i always i was thinking like okay high school magic it can be like a teen wolf buffy the vampire slayer type thing where every every episode if you want to think about like a session that way is there's a monster or a problem we're gonna figure out what that monster is and go with it Mm -hmm. but when so when you make those characters in a thing called the phase trio um because the idea is you pass around to three different people don't know how it works with more than three people but when you um are passing stuff around you it's not just backstory you're making you almost think of it as when you start playing fate this is like episode four or five of this tv show you've already been watching so like when you start writing it, I, oh, the way I think of it is you are writing an episode where all of you are the main cast of this TV show, but for this adventure or this past thing that happened, you were the main character. And you t- say what you did 
You try to ignore what anyone else could possibly do. You just say, here's what I did, or here's how it affected me, come up with an aspect, um, and then pass it around. And so by the end of it, we had three many little things that had happened that kind of changed how we were going to go forward. So you guys want to talk about that? Since you guys, I had right. nothing yeah. but input for those. Yeah. Um. So first, I just want to explain like who the, just like a basics of like who the three characters were. Sure. So there was my character, um, Brie Chardonnay, which I think is a fabulous name That's and I will never give it up. <laughs> Um, and she is, so this this whole story that we came up with sort of takes place in an isolated, but, um, wealthy. An isolated, but? (laughs) An isolated, but fairly wealthy town. Um, and, uh, a lot of the wealth from the town comes from this well, it comes from a logging, um, what do you call it? Industry. Yeah, from a logging industry that my character's parents own. And, of course, they also own several other things around town, hotel, you know, whatever. Fancy pants people. Right. So, I'm the rebellious daughter who, A, believes that logging is, uh... Immoral. Immoral. Climb against nature. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Um, And also was just a rebellious teenager. And um, uh, because I based this off of my D&D character and wanted her to have some magical abilities, um, she is now... My high concept for her was the rebel Wiccan daughter. (laughs) So she uh, accidentally, kind of not so accidentally, surprisingly is able to summon Nathan's character. So do you want to explain who your character is? Yeah. So, yeah. So Brie Chardonnay summons me, and what she summons is this druid named Cree Oakblood, who is my character, and he is the son of the druid of the Sacred Grove. Um, And basically, he is... um, um coming to life from her wiccan powers yeah to be clear when i say summon i mean i brought him back to life (laughs) right yeah i was i was pretty dead um and i actually end up to kind of make the story flow a little better i end up going to high school with um the other characters so i had to come up with an alias for my name so cree oakblood turned into chris oakley um and um we end up having just the adventure together like that through high school. Yeah. And it's fun because, so the idea was my character was trying to summon this powerful, looking to the past sort of to mm-hmm. help her situation and to, you know, uh, combat the logging deforestation. Right. Um, and of course she gets a teenager who, doesn't know how he died. He is a druid, but his powers haven't really... Not really sure how to use my powers. Yeah, not quite yet. Um, And then Brent's not here, but do you want me to explain his character? I can do that because I have it, actually. Okay, perfect. So Brent made Charlie Graves, um, who... Which is a fabulous name. He decided because, like, Emily and 
Nate, you guys both like pretty quickly kind of had an idea of what your character was, and he was kind of behind that. And part of the side effect of it was you guys immediately had an idea of how your characters are connected. Mm -hmm. And so I think probably part of that, Charlie became an outsider like automatically. And so, well, if Bree and Cree are going to the private school in town, uh, Charlie's going to go to the public school. If they are in the wealthy part, he's going to be in the poor part. And that immediately like kind of like started influencing things. And so as part of the adventures he wasn't directly a part i think of two of them like he finds out after you summon a druid about what happens he um one of the adventures is going to the prom and he doesn't go to the prom like <laughs> he stays home <laughs> right. um and so i just think that's it was really interesting how like parts of it that like where it can feel like you as the player would become left out turns it turning the character itself into someone who's left out like honestly like made it like really engaging it was super interesting mm -hmm. and when you're um doing this like obviously it's very collaborative like that's probably one of the coolest parts or at least one of the most engaging parts of when we were doing this because a criticism of fate is often that you're not playing an RPG, you're just writers in a writing room. Which is the best part. <laughs> it felt like, that way, how but it is wasn't that negative. possibly a criticism? It was so much fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have to agree when it comes to, like, if you ever listen or watch Let's Plays of Fate, I honestly find the world creation kind of boring. Right, but Personally, that's because you're not. Right, no, I get it, I get yeah. it. But, like... Not every game is meant to be watched or listened to. Oh my to. god, when... So, uh, again, the Adventure Zone did fate for their superhero one-shot that their dad was running, and the, it was the first non-D&D thing they had done, and it, like, really showed, because they really couldn't, like, kind of grasp how certain things were different... I mean, they were using the Venture City rule set, which is like a, a bunch of add-ons to help superheroes work in Fate. And I think that because part of the game is instead of just doing something, like I want to roll, I want to see if I want to attack that thing. I roll to see if I hit, and then I roll for damage. In this, your aspects are the important part. You can do whatever. Like, when you are going to solve a task, you choose what skill you use. And as long as you can explain how it is effective, you can do it. And part of that is someone saying, should I use, like, can I use rapport? Or can I, like, like you kept trying to use provoke for something. And one of us would think, no, I think this other skill works better. And when you're doing that, that doesn't just change, like, what stat you're using. It changes how the fiction in the game happens. Right. And mm -hmm. so we'll spend a moment explaining how it's going to happen and then realize, oh, maybe that doesn't work. Or one of the things is that like you roll poorly and you can invoke your aspect. You pay a fate point to get some bonuses to that. And you're literally retroactively changing what happened. Mm -hmm. So it's like you roll and you fail. Well, I might start to describe that and or like we t decide whether or not you want to fail beforehand which is very strange definitely not a dnd <laughs> thing but you see the result you decide if you're happy with that result and then you possibly pay fate points to change that 
or someone else is able to help you, or you choose to succeed at a cost. And all of those things don't just change the numbers or, I mean, like D&D is obviously more than numbers too, but it changes how you're describing things. So you go through one or two or maybe even like four iterations of what happens, talking through each one, and then you settle on one, and then you start to move on. Only after spending, like, we spent almost 10 minutes literally deciding, like, whether or not your character got grounded or not. Yeah. Like, it was weird, but, like, it was really, like, well, it made sense. technically I did get grounded. I just got out of it. Right. It was, <laughs> it was more figuring out how I was going to get out of the house. But at one point, like, you were, you had a terrible role mm-hmm. with, so she got grounded. She has a, she's, they're trying to sneak out to deal with this problem. She has a terrible role with her mom, like minus six or five. I can't remember. And she doesn't want to spend all the fate points. She doesn't want to do all those things. And you were tr- like, you spent like some good time just thinking like, what can I do to do this without failing at a cost? Because you felt like the cost would be too high. Mm-hmm. Well, and the thing is, is like when something I really, really liked about this um, that I was not used to with D&D is... I felt more permission to like be creative with my decisions um, as far as like how points and things worked. So like I kind of thought about like what would, considering like the personality traits that I have already established for my character, what would make sense with her mother to like get her to let her go? Yeah. And... It wasn't just like, oh, I rolled and it was a bad roll and I don't have any good stats to add to it. You know, it was, oh, I rolled and it's a bad roll. But one of my personality traits is, well, I don't even know if it was a personality trait, but I convinced her to let me out because I told her I was going to go help dad at the um, logging warehouse and that... I wanted her to know that how much I appreciated my parents for, you know, trying to teach me, I don't know, good business sense yeah. or whatever it was that I said. And I really want to go help dad. And like, that is the thing that worked, which is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so the part we've kind of mentioned, but haven't like really gone into is that when you're making the character, you're making aspects. And this is the part that mm. sounds like TV tropes. So just going through Charlie's uh, descriptions, his high concept is just disillusioned lower class. Like we we didn't have like a really strong idea of him beyond that. I think we eventually did by Mm -hmm. the end of the game and we'd probably end up changing some of those things. But for the game, it made sense. And then his trouble is doesn't doesn't trust money or doesn't trust the rich. And so he doesn't trust my family, which is totally fair. Yeah. Um, so other aspects are Mr. Chardonnay is behind all this. So thinking that, uh, Bree's dad is behind the troubles that are going on, uh, secretly wants to find love. That was from the prom episode. And then finally, uh, used to being the outsider. And so when you are in fate, you are, the things that describe your character are always true. And so... That's kind of weird to say that, like, something is always true, but then, like, you can use it to give yourself a bonus, because it feels like, like, the way D&D works, your stats are always true, and they always exist. 
Like that's also true for fate, but it works in a different way. And the way that works differently is say the fact that both of your characters could use magic and Charlie's could not. And none of you had a stat that said, here's your magic stat. Mm -hmm. You uh, you use crafts, I think. Yeah. Craft. Craft. And uh, Emily used. I used lore. So the reason they worked that way is because Emily got her magic from a book. And so the idea is she is using her knowledge of history and like flipping through this book to find a ritual or spell or information that's going to help her out. Mm -hmm. Whereas you were using uh, your craft to make something like a bow or turning a bunch of pallets into like a makeshift cage. Yep. And those things could not happen. Like if you were a person who in a single moment wanted to craft a cage out of pallets and you had twine but still had a high craft score like i would not let your character do that it's like you don't have you can't do that in five <laughs> seconds like, that doesn't happen but you have magic of course you can do that like that's just how it works so mm -hmm. it's always true like it just changes what you're able to do without like getting into the granularity of it all it's so flexible yeah, yeah. i love it the yeah the flexibility is definitely good but part of We've been talking about fate points. So we use we didn't have anything and I didn't have like cool coins or anything to use. So I literally got a bunch of like mini little binder clips uh, that we handed out and I'll let you hear the sound as we drop it. Um, <laughs> it just was a bunch of things that you have. You always have three at the beginning of a session. You can change how many you want depending on like how you want your game to work. Also, there's like an economy of it. Like if you want stunts, which we did not do at all. So <laughs> it didn't come into it. Um, that was one of the things we kind of chopped for ease and just moving through faster. Um, because stunts are definitely the more like granular aspect where you are working out a bonus or doing something super cool. Like in D&D, like casting a fireball versus just doing a normal pew pew spell <laughs> a cantrip if you will a pew -pew. yeah the pew pew okay so when the way i explained it to you guys and i think to me makes the most sense is like if you watch cartoons or really any show but to me like the ex the prime example is anime like naruto or something so if you take like the rock lee and gara fight which both of you have I think I know where you're talking about. Rock Lee is the more physical fist fighter. Yeah. And Gar is the one that has a sand thing on his back. Correct. So Emily has this nervous look on her I face. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> so the Rock Lee versus Gara fight is the a best fight in all of Naruto. It's amazing. <laughs> because what happens in Literally it... Literally all I know about Naruto is the running. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's part of all you need to know. But beyond that... What you need to know is they're all ninjas, blah, blah, blah. They use different jutsus and magics and stuff like that. They, the Rock Lee versus Gara fight is this dude who has no magic and just fights physically versus a guy who barely does anything at all and just lets his magic sand, like, protect him. Mm -hmm. And there's more to it than that, blah, blah, blah. There's a thousand episodes, but whatever. In that fight, Rock Lee is always fighting and he's always, quote, doing his best. But, like, it's not enough but he keeps improving, even though it makes no sense at all for someone who is fighting to get better as they keep going. Mm -hmm. He keeps doing all these things. And the big, like, oh, shit moment is when he drops these. It turns out that these, what looks like just part of his costume, are actually weights. Oh, my him. gosh. And he asks permission to take them off. And it's this big deal. 
And everyone's like, what does it matter if he takes off these weights? And he drops them, and they literally, like, crack the ground when they hit. Like, it just shatters the the fight floor. And it's just like, holy crap. These are some great memories you're bringing back. (laughs) And so when that happens, like, technically, yes, there is this, like, big boost. But he also has, like, these, like, flashbacks to, like... I can't use magic. I'm going to train as hard as I can. I'm going to do this. And I keep kicking the same thing in the same spot. And I'm going to keep getting better and better. And that's what he was remembering as a child. This has always been true. It like It's always the fact. But we as the audience didn't know about it until now. When he starts fighting again, he's better. He like does bigger attacks. And he's like people start being like, oh my gosh. He could beat this guy who like everyone has been losing to. That was always true, and if we're thinking about that in fate aspect, like aspects, what happens is he was fighting and not doing well, and like his rolls were not good, and so he spent fate points to use the aspect like I've been training for this my whole life, and to in order to give himself boosts that make something that was always true even more true. It's like he was digging deep inside of himself to like find the like power to use what he's always had Mm -hmm. but just better so like nate can you give an example of what one of your aspects are that you could invoke to make it like extra true well one of the aspects i suppose that could be most applicable was um i'll never live up to my father and what i can't honestly can't remember what um scenario we were talking about with when that aspect came up i think we were um fighting this blob monster towards the end of the um session and i was trying to contain it in that pallet box cage Mm -hmm. that leaf described and at one point it um almost got out and it did get out actually and i kept thinking in my mind in the game i'll never live up to my father because my father was this great druid king who had all these magical abilities that i've i have not learned at that point and we never really succeeded in that um, towards the end of the se- towards the end of the session. But um, I think that um, I kind of got past that aspect a little bit, even because um, I learned that my father kind of just disowned me. Um, and maybe isn't that great of a guy. Yeah, anyway. maybe isn't really that special. See, um, to me, like I felt like so spoiler alert for this game that we played and you'll never see um <laughs> what happened in it is that turns out the main bad guy that was doing this all along was kree's dad and to me having his dad show up and find out that he's disowned you was actually exemplifying i'll never live up to my dad like so you can kind of like pull things in different directions or interpret mm-hmm. them in different ways right and the and if we because it was just a one shot, but if we were to play it again, you could shift that in the positive, right? right. Like, I'll never be like, I'll never be I'll the never same be as my like dad, him, right? Yes. And like, one of mine was, I only I can badmouth my family, <laughs> so I wouldn't tolerate other friends. I, I would be protective protective of my family when other people were attacking them, but. If they were pissing me off, Mm -hmm. I would be, like, compelled to say something to my family. So, like, that was used in, like, a positive and negative light because it was used in a negative light because I, like, one of the things you can do in Fate is compel someone. So I make something bad happen 
but in return you get a fate point so you kind of get this currency that helps you out later by having something bad happen now so i compelled her to um like a different one about like being protective of her friends to get herself grounded yeah i had to swear at yeah my uh, fictional father (laughs) um and so when she was trying to uh get out of the place she used no one can badmouth my family but me in order to like gain sympathy from her mom so up to this point it had always been like stuff where she was like arguing with Cree and charlie about what's going on or almost getting into a fight with um charlie's dad at one point over it because charlie's dad is like a blue collar worker who works under uh mr chardonnay and clinton chardonnay um just to uh make it even more i can't think of a rich word. rich yeah um we had been using it in this like very negative aspect or negative light and you were able to use it in a positive way to make us get through further and again colors the way you did it because instead of just like initially trying to lie to your mom about it you turned it into a lie about how you instead of just lying that oh dad said i was gonna go work with him it turned into a lie about how i'm gonna go work with him and people in this town don't understand us and i want to like improve our family's name and like that definitely like changes this huge dynamic of like what's going on in the story Mm -hmm. even though technically nothing changed beyond we got to go you guys got to leave at that point but it in the fiction like gave my reason more hefts more weight yeah yeah so here's how I felt about the combat part in Fate, is that it works, and I still do like the opportunity for like creativity in what you're going to do. Um, granted, I know you said we didn't do any of the stunts or anything, but right without it, I, I felt okay with that. The only reason that I felt slightly bored by the combat, which, to be honest, didn't last very long, um, is because I thought all of the other social stuff was just that much better. It was super engaging. Right, exactly. Like, it wasn't that the combat was poorly organized or really really terror or like really mm-hmm. boring you know it's just that in comparison i wanted to get back to all of the social stuff because that's where we were having like the best time right. yeah and i kind of felt that and that's why like what started as like a punch and even some magic stuff um kind of i was feeling that and i decided to like instead of like drawing out and like maybe taking out one or the other of you like um because dying in fate is incredibly difficult because <laughs> the point isn't to beat someone or win or lose. In fact, you guys lost most of the time like yep. in your things and trying to do things. You won eventually over time, but we even ended on a downer with you guys like watching uh, the dead brother of Charlie Graves being dragged back into the forest. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. like that's just what happened in it. But I felt like the combat was kind of being boring. Also... That was probably the one aspect that, like, I feel like makes sense and I could go on about, like, what I like about Fate's combat. But as the, obviously, we had been focused on aspects and all that stuff, and that was just the final thing. So it didn't make much sense. It wasn't as smooth as the rest of the stuff. So I pretty quickly shifted us back into this more social, figuring stuff out kind of game. Yeah. Um, But overall, still. Yeah. 
pretty yeah. great one shot. Fun. Yeah. Yeah. It was Cons- really fun. Well, considering the fact that, like, we had him over at, what, like, 6.30. Yep. Started about s- 7 or 8. Well, we started talking about it during dinner. So yeah. probably 7-ish. Yeah. Started talking, or maybe 7.30, started mm-hmm. talking about what we even wanted the game to be. Yeah, right. To go from, like... Not a clue of what even our concept is to like what essentially would amount to a full, a full hour episode. long episode of a TV show you would watch. Like it worked super well within, let's see, so about five ish hours. Yeah. About two hours of character and setting creation, and then three hours of just Game playing. Play, right? mm-hmm. And like, I have to stress, we mentioned it, like, two hours of making the world was super fun. Yeah. Like, just that part alone. Yeah evolving from a monster of the week type thing until like the fact that all of the backstories were just teen drama stuff it was yeah like it was so much like it was just fun right (laughs) it felt like zero pressure yeah yeah i kind of want to (laughs) continue although you did kind of give away some of the ideas of what or like things you had in your mind as the game master right so but that that's okay yeah another time yeah yeah okay one more thing yeah that i actually meant to say at the very beginning okay that we not even on in this recording but just period we have not discussed this i think it's really really funny that this is a podcast based on us finally reading stuff that we own and haven't read this is an episode where you have been reading this yeah. for about a year and a half and just haven't played the game. Right. So I think I just wanted to point it out. It's pretty funny. <laughs> You've actually yeah. read it. You did technically do right. the podcast job about a year and a half ago. Yeah, this is not going to be the first one. Like I am, I have like a bunch of humble bundle stuff. I've still like I just bought the Tales from the Yawning Portal that. I guess we played some of that the, against the Giants module, but like. And you found out that you have the Lord of the Rings. Yeah, I forgot official. about that. Official. Like, yeah. We, when we went to the store, because I, like, I have the digital copies, but I wanted a physical one just because it's easier to flip through, personally. We looked, we found the fifth edition Lord of the Rings, um, like, third party stuff from Cubicle 7. And I was, like, kind of thinking, like, wait, I think, I think I go back online. Oh, yeah, I bought this stuff like a year ago. <laughs> And it wasn't the fifth edition, it was the One Ring RPG. So you might be seeing that on a future episode. And as someone who loves RPGs and just talking about them, I look forward to it. So, (laughs) all right, do we want to wrap it up? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so we want to thank Brent for joining us on our little one-shot adventure. Sorry we don't have four mics or else we'd totally invite you on for this. Yeah, but we'll have him on another time. He said he wants to get on the podcast. And thank you to Nathan. Yeah, thank you for uh, guys for inviting for, me. For yeah, coming to visit, but also <laughs> just right. for playing with us yeah. and talking with us. And this has been a blast. Yeah, definitely. Final thanks to Velt Punch as always for their theme music, which I super love. Uh, it is Fighting Pose from the album His Strange Fighting Pose. Go listen to them. Go buy them. They're great. And with that, we will see you next time as we talk about what are we talking about, Nathan? Stephen King Dark Tower series. Let's do it. Awesome. All right. See you next time. Bye-bye.